heard some news coverage this week about Mother's Day, and it was kind of interesting. The survey indicated that over 40% of adult people still like to confer with their mother to get advice about important decisions. Wasn't that, isn't that kind of interesting? Uh, mom knows. We need to talk to mom. Talk to mom and get some advice about making this big decision that we have. We do that, don't we? If we have important decisions, we like to talk to people that we feel have good advice, can give us the right answers. Uh, for instance, my brother's in the insurance field. And so if I have an insurance question, I like to talk to him because I know he knows what he's talking about. He'd give me a right answer. We do that about everything. It's a very common approach. Uh, if you have trouble with your car, you want to talk to a recognized mechanic that you have confidence knows what he's talking about. Or if it's an electrical problem, you're going to go to somebody like Lee to work out your electrical problem, or a plumber, or a nurse. You might talk to Sue or Wade or somebody else if you have a medical issue. You want to talk to people that you feel like will give you the right advice, give you the right answers, people who are qualified to know. That's very common. It's a very common approach. I think it's the right approach. Now, since we do that about all important things, then it seems to me that it would be very appropriate to do that about the most important question of all, and that has to do with our soul's salvation. The very basic, most important question of life is, what must I do to be saved? Now, who could we ask for an answer about that? Well, we might talk to our family members. You know, Mom, we've talked about Ask Mom about important things. We talk to Mom, talk to Dad. Talk to our siblings, someone in our family. We might talk to family. That would be a very typical thing probably to do. Or we might talk to our friends. We have friends who we have some confidence in the fact that they are knowledgeable about Bible things. Maybe we would ask friends. Or perhaps we might go to a preacher or some other recognized religious leader to ask them this question. What must I do to be saved? Now, all of those might be valuable. Family, friends, religious people, all of those might be valuable resources to check with, but there's a potential problem. That is that any one of them could be wrong. They all could be wrong. And they might not give us the right answer. Uh, this question about our soul salvation is way too important to take any chances with it at all. Uh, you, you don't risk valuable things, and your soul's the most valuable thing. So you don't want to take a chance with just asking someone who may not give you the right answer. Who could we go to and be guaranteed that the answer is right 100%? No possibility of error. Well, let me suggest, how about the Apostle Paul? What if we could ask the Apostle Paul and get an answer from him? about what must I do to be saved. Wouldn't it be great if we could ask him? We know about the life of the Apostle Paul. We know about the tremendous sacrifices that he made and the service that he provided. We know his extensive work traveling the known world of the day, preaching the gospel everywhere that he could. We know the terrible suffering of persecution that he endured in order to promote that gospel of Jesus Christ. Boy, if we could just ask Paul, because... Paul said in that reading that Stephen gave us just a few moments ago in Galatians chapter 1, Paul said, the gospel which was preached of me is not after man, 
I neither received it of man, neither was taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Paul said, what I taught came straight from the Lord. Now, I didn't learn this from somebody else. I'm not just passing on what was told to me. He said, I've, what I'm teaching is by direct revelation from the Lord. Sure would be great to be able to ask Paul, wouldn't it? Someone said, well, too bad he's not here. Uh, too bad that he's not still living. Too bad we can't sit down and have a conversation with the Apostle Paul. Uh, I've heard people make that kind of a statement, by the way, about, about the Lord or some other Bible character. Oh, I just wish we could sit down and directly talk to them. But wait a minute. The fact of the matter is that we really can, can't we? Because we can go to the Scripture... And specifically concerning the Apostle Paul, we can look in the book of Acts because the book of Acts, the last, the last half of it at least, extensively deals with the things the Apostle Paul did and the things that he taught. And the fact of the matter is that we can effectively ask him, what would he say about the question, what must I do to be saved? We can basically ask and get the answer by looking to the things that Paul taught and the things that he did. Now, the challenge, of course, will be, are we willing to accept the answer and make application in our lives? So, that's our lesson this morning. Let's ask Paul, what must I do to be saved? The most important, vital, critical question of life, and we hope that we can... Uh, Find that answer clearly in the book of Acts from the work and teaching of the Apostle Paul. We pray that everyone will be willing to submit to that and do the things necessary to guarantee the salvation of your most precious thing, your eternal soul. Stop here for just a minute to say thank you for being present. Add to the words that Dale already extended of welcome to all who are here, including our visitors. We're very glad that you've come our way. We have a perfect Lord's Day morning in Middle Tennessee, and it's, it's great to be able to be together. We have lots of family members visiting on this special day. Others who are visiting with us, we're glad that you've come our way. We hope and pray that God will be glorified by our worship this morning, and we pray that each of us will be edified. As always, if you have questions of any kind, please ask them after the services are over. Uh, if you have any needs that we might be able to especially help with, let us know that. Uh, we're glad that you're here today. Okay, what's Paul going to say to this most important question, what must I do to be saved? Well, let's go to some of these various accounts where Paul was teaching people, and we can learn from him. For instance, we could talk about the conversion of Lydia. Her story is in Acts chapter 16, beginning verse 14, we read, a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshipped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things that were spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized, and it goes on to say some other things that followed after that. The Apostle Paul had converted lots of people by the time he got to this place uh, in, in the city of Philippi. This was actually on his second missionary journey. So he'd already completed one entire missionary journey, converted lots of people. This is on the second missionary journey. Kind of interesting, Lydia is one of the first ones that we know by name that Paul engaged on a one-to-one -one basis. And the emphasis, though, of what we want to pick up here is that she heard us, it says. She heard us. She attended to the things which were spoken of Paul. And so the, what we're seeing here is that she was willing to listen. Uh, she was willing to listen with an attitude toward obeying the things that she was instructed to do. Because notice, 
after having been taught, after she listened, she responded by being baptized. We'll talk more about that a little bit later. But this is such an important, basic, fundamental thing. You've got to be willing to listen. You have to hear the instructions of the Word of God. It's so simple, but a lot of people miss this. The first point is, you've got to hear. A major error of a lot of people in religion today is that they think that their faith comes by having some sort of an experience. You know, they felt something. Something happened. And through the process of some occurrence or circumstance, they claim faith in God. That's not how true saving faith comes. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the Word of God, Romans 10, 17 says. And what's interesting in the case of every single conversion that we read in the book of Acts, every convert was taught. Even when there were instances where supernatural things were taking place around that event, in every case, they were taught the Word. Someone taught, and they were willing to listen. So, that's obviously critical. You've got to be taught. You have to be willing to hear. That's the first step. Are you open to the Word of God? Are you willing to be instructed? Will you receive the message that's contained there by revelation? Alright, so the, the first episode was that of Lydia, and we're stressing from her example that you have to hear. In the same chapter, while Paul was still in that city of Philippi, he had the occasion to teach the Philippian jailer. You may remember how that sort of unfolded after the, after the events with Lydia, Paul was still in that same city and there was an uproar, a near riot broke out based upon some of the things that Paul had done and taught. And so Paul and his traveling companion Silas were thrown into prison, beaten and thrown into a dungeon effectively. Uh, and it says uh, there in Acts chapter 16, verse 25, they were singing and praying about midnight and there was a great earthquake. The doors of the prison were opened and so forth. The jailer was about to kill himself because he thought all of his prisoners had escaped. Paul said, don't, don't do that. Do thyself no harm. He rushed, the jailer rushed to Paul and Silas. He brought them out. This is where we pick up our reading, verse 30. He brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized, he and all his straightway. Interestingly, there's our very question that we're asking this morning in our lesson. What must I do to be saved? Remember what we said earlier? You, you don't have to be able to have a personal interview with Paul to find out the answer to that. Here is the very question being asked. What must I do to be saved? Now, how did Paul answer that? Well, Paul answered by saying, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And so, certainly, faith then is a necessary thing. You have to have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, again, I want to point out that this faith that's required is based upon hearing the message. Notice, they spake to them the word of the Lord to all that were in the house. Well, we might emphasize that in a different color here. They spake to them the word of the Lord. So, you got to believe, you got to have faith if you want to be saved. How do you get that faith? Well, as we were saying earlier, that faith comes by hearing. Hearing the word of God. But also, that faith requires a reaction, some obedience. I think the jailer's obedience here that we're stressing in particular 
was that he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized. I want to emphasize especially here the idea of repentance on his part. He had a change of mind based upon what he had believed and he was willing to be baptized. Uh, again, this faith was based upon hearing and it was the kind of faith that produced obedience and you really got to stress the urgency of this matter. Uh, it was in the same hour of the night he washed their stripes and was baptized. So, from the episode of the Philippian jailer, we understand the necessity of faith, of belief. Now, please stress that this belief is not just simple acknowledgement. That's not just to say, I believe, but to show that you believe by being willing to be obedient to all that the Lord has required. So we're asking Paul, what must I do to be saved? Well, he says you've got to hear. He shows that you've got to hear. He says that you've got to believe. What else? Well, as you move into the very next chapter of Acts, in chapter 17 of Acts, Paul is in the city of Athens. Now, Athens was a city, of course, a major city of the day, but a city given over completely to idol worship. And in Acts chapter 17, verse 16, it says that while Paul waited for his traveling companions in the city of Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. It really disturbed Paul. He was very upset when he realized that this entire city was engaged in pagan worship. And so he was stirred in the spirit. We need some more of that, I think, to be really concerned and upset when we see people who are pursuing false religious practice, people who don't know about the true Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So what did he do? In verse 30, of course, his sermon uh, is between those verses. He preaches to the people in Athens. And in conclusion of his sermon, he said, In the times of this ignorance, God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. God commands all men everywhere to repent. Now, the context of this, I think, provides a good indication of what repentance really means. You've got to turn from what you're doing wrong and do things that are right. You've got to have a change of heart that leads to a change of action. Notice that this is commanded of God. God commands all men everywhere to repent. Ignorance is no excuse. You have to repent of the wrongs that you have been committing. Their wrong in Athens particularly was the worship of these idols. They had to change from that. So at that juncture, we emphasize the step of repentance as a necessary thing if you want to be saved. Now, please understand that these various episodes are not contradictory one to another. Basically, what we're seeing and emphasizing in these various incidents uh, involving the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts is different parts of this plan of salvation that we often refer to. We're going to try to put all the pieces together, right? We need all of the information. Various ones of these episodes have multiple things that we could be emphasizing, but from these three, we're emphasizing, hear the truth, believe what you've been taught, repent of the sins in your life, all those things are necessary. Here's another episode from Paul recorded in Acts. This has to do with Paul when he, after he had been arrested 
while his life was at risk, the Jews were seeking to kill him, he has, he has a trial before King Agrippa. In Acts chapter 26, beginning verse 25, Paul said, I speak forth the words of truth and soberness. For the king knoweth of those things, before whom also I speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him. For this thing was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. Then, king, then Agrippa said to Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. I've always been impressed, I think you have been too, at the fact that here Paul, while his life was at risk, instead of pleading and begging for his release, took the opportunity to teach this man try to convert him to Christ. Pretty amazing. Instead of arguing his own defense, he tried to convert King Agrippa. Notice he said, I speak the words of truth and soberness. Uh, and he presented the evidence concerning Jesus Christ. He said these things weren't done in a corner. The things concerning Jesus, the miracles he worked, the things that he taught. And based upon that, he said, King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? So, the question to Agrippa was, do you believe? What's Paul wanting here? He's wanting Agrippa to acknowledge that he believes, to confess his faith in Jesus. The faith was there. Paul said, I know that thou believest. He was wanting a response. But the only response he got from King Agrippa was, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Agrippa wasn't willing to make that good confession. And so in this instance, we see what Paul was asking for was, do you believe? I know you believe. Say so. Agrippa was not willing to say so. From that episode, we understand the importance of confessing our faith, verbally acknowledging that we believe in Jesus. If you need a plainer statement about that, Romans 10, verse 10 says, With the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So, You've got to confess with your mouth your faith in the Lord Jesus. And, and Paul was asking Agrippa to do that. Of course, he wasn't willing to do it, but certainly it demonstrates the necessity of that. So where, where are we at so far here? Well, you've got to hear the truth. You've got to believe it. Repent of your sins. Confess your faith in Jesus. Then, of course, you need to be baptized. It's a rather surprising thing that baptism is such a controversial subject in the religious world when the fact of the matter is it's so plainly taught in the Word of God. It, it's just confusing, really, to think about why people would argue this uh, so aggressively when the Bible teaches it so plainly. Um, we just simply need to take Paul's word in the matter. In fact, let him speak about his own conversion in the case. We know that Paul was on the road to Damascus when the Lord Jesus appeared to him. A lot of people say that Paul was saved on the road to Damascus. The fact of the matter is that he was not saved on the road to Damascus. That was not when he was saved. He was saved when he obeyed what was taught to him. Uh, he, he was led by the hand because he was blind after that appearance on the road to Damascus. He was led by the hand into the city of Damascus. There a man named Agrippa came to him and he was baptized. Acts 22, verse 16, Agrippa said to Paul, now why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Notice, he needed to be baptized and wash away his sins. He had seen Jesus. He had spoken to Jesus. He believed in Jesus. 
but he still was in his sins until he was baptized. This is so plain. There are plenty of other verses that stress the necessity of baptism for the remission of sins, but if there weren't any others, this would be enough. Baptism is the point at which our sins are washed away. And until we've been baptized for the remission of sins, we are not saved. Paul's own conversion account there stresses the necessity of baptism for salvation. Hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized. Paul, what must I do to be saved? Would you agree with me that Paul would say all of these things are necessary? From his own life and teaching, isn't it clear that these things are essential? Sometimes we hold up the fingers of one hand to be able to highlight the five steps that we refer to in the plan of salvation. Hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized. Actually, as we often point out, you almost need to hold up a finger on the other hand too to add an additional point concerning salvation. And that is, you have to be faithful. And we get that from Paul's ongoing work. And this is our last point. But from Paul's ongoing work of preaching the gospel, we see that he understood that even a person who has done these necessary things still must maintain a faithful relationship with the Lord if they want to be saved. Yes, absolutely, you must hear. Based upon hearing, you must believe. Uh, when you believe, then you have to be willing to respond uh, with acts of repentance and confession and baptism. At that point, your sins are washed away. You're a Christian. You're a member of the body of Christ. You have the hope of going to heaven in eternity. But it's not over yet. You have to remain faithful. Notice what Paul did in Acts chapter 14. In Acts chapter 14, beginning verse 21, Paul, they, it says they, talking about Paul and his companions, returned again to Lystra, to Iconium, to Antioch, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we through much tribulation must enter into the kingdom of God. What's interesting here is to note that Paul had been run out of every one of those cities previously. When Paul passed through those cities the first time, preaching and teaching, converting some people, he would be persecuted in each one of those cities and, and, and basically got run out of town. Now, if you'd been run out of town because of what you'd been teaching and preaching, do you think you'd be readily inclined to go back to those same places? Why would Paul go back there when he'd already confronted trouble in those cities? Because he saw the importance, notice it says there, of confirming the souls of the disciples. They had to continue in the faith. Paul knew that. They had to maintain faithfulness. And he wanted to do his part in order to make that possible, to help them, strengthen them, encourage them, to keep on keeping on in the faith. Well, Paul, if people are once saved and then therefore always saved, why bother? Well, there wouldn't be any reason to bother, right? If the idea of once saved, always saved were true, Paul was wasting his time to go back to those same cities, taking an unnecessary risk to go back to the cities that he'd already been run out of, where he'd already been persecuted. But Paul understood it was so important to strengthen those disciples, to exhort them to continue in order to be saved. From his ongoing preaching work, I think we can see that the Apostle Paul would tell us, what must I do to be saved? Well, after obeying the initial five steps of the plan of salvation, hear, believe, repent, confess, and be baptized, he would say, certainly, you've got to remain faithful. The Lord Jesus said in Revelation verse, chapter 2, verse 10, 
Be thou faithful unto death, and I'll give thee a crown of life. Certainly, Jesus taught the necessity of continued faithfulness. All right. Who are we going to ask about salvation? Ask your mom. Ask your family. Ask your friends. Ask some recognized religious leader. I'm not discounting the fact that any and all of those might be of some help in answering this question. But bottom line, you've got to go to the Word of God because only there do we have the guaranteed right answer from inspired men like the Apostle Paul. If you could ask the Apostle Paul, what must I do to be saved, which is, as we said earlier, the most important question of life, there's absolutely no doubt how he would answer. We know that because we read what he taught and what he did as he went throughout all the world of his day preaching and teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. We know that plan of salvation, don't we? And although there are many people who would argue it, there it is, very clearly laid out from Paul. Hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized, and then remain faithful unto death. What's your situation this morning? Have you obeyed that gospel plan of salvation? If not, I hope we've made it plain enough this morning that you would know what's necessary. And therefore, you'd be willing to make that decision. If you're not a Christian yet, we hope you'd make that decision to become one this morning. If you need more help, more teaching, more time to study the Word, we'd be glad to sit down with you and open the Bibles and open our Bibles and find out even more information. There's plenty of more information there. And there's more that can be said on each one of the, the, the things that we talked about this morning. If you need that extra study, say so. But you need to make this decision. It's the most important one of life. Can we assist you in your obedience this morning? What about those who might be here who are not faithful? They're Christians, but they've not remained faithful. Paul clearly showed, the Lord Jesus definitely taught, that you, even if you're a Christian already, you must be faithful, continuing to serve faithfully. And if you've not been faithful, Lord, you're a Christian, but you've fallen away, we beg you to come back in repentance, confession, and prayer. If we can help, let us know while we stand and sing this song.